Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. We're in a series of revival, and uh, Christmas morning. What a revival that was! Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God of the Universe, broke forth into humanity as a little baby. We celebrate that and we celebrate how he fulfilled all things for us. He fulfilled the law so that by us breaking it, we wouldn't be separate from God. He fulfilled everything perfectly. He fulfilled the promises and he continues to fulfill promises in our lives. And there are some promises yet to be fulfilled that we look forward to participating with him. And we know that those will be fulfilled because he's fulfilled all the ones in the Old Testament that pointed towards him, that they were filled up in him. And so, as we look this morning, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2 again, but we're going to look at verse 21. How Jesus fulfilled all these things, even in his birth, because of his parents, Joseph and Mary, were devout and they were young, and they probably thought, what are we doing? We're not qualified, and yet they were willing to raise this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, this Savior. And so they bring him, as the law states, to the temple, so that everything might be fulfilled in Jesus. Everything. Jesus says, not one dot or one tittle or anything will be taken away. But everything in me will be fulfilled. And so let's look at this in Luke chapter 2. Following the birth of Jesus, this is now the eighth day afterwards. When it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. There was a law that was given to Moses that you are to take your child on the eighth day and participate in the covenant through circumcision, through blood. Saying that this child belongs to the Lord. This child is life that was given to me by the Lord. And now I will present him to the Lord and he will be part of the covenant as described by the Lord. Not everybody could make it to Jerusalem, but this was something that everybody who considered themselves an Israelite would do. Circumcise their male child on the eighth day, and that's when the naming would be. That's when the name would be given. And so that's what is going on here. They are going to the temple in Jerusalem, and they're only a few miles away as they were in Bethlehem to go there. And they made this journey with Jesus eight days after the birth. And then Mary had to present herself too for the purification after she gave birth to a child. And so that's what's going on here. Verse 23, as it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who is righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. I think they were kind of freaked out, too. Somebody coming and taking your baby? Yeah. Who is this guy who's just swooped our baby up in his arms? And he starts prophesying and speaking about him this way. But then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that we would be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and the sword will pierce your own soul too. There's also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, and coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. And he was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was in him. This is the reading of God's Word. Praise His name. We also look at, at Joel uh, chapter 2. And uh, this is interesting because at Pentecost, Peter actually quotes this. But I believe what he is seeing too is this fulfillment of Jesus being prophesied about. This fulfillment that both men and women will prophesy. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days. And this is happening right here with Simeon and with Anna. Both of them had been waiting in great anticipation for the Messiah. Both of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, as said here in the book of Joel. Both of them prophesied over Jesus, who he was and who he would be. Now, prophets, we look at prophets sometimes and think, oh, prophets are somebody who just tells the future. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they declare something over somebody. And some of you have that gift of prophecy. And you say, you are going to be this, or you are going to be this. Because God has put that in your heart to speak to them and encourage them that way. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing in the Holy Spirit to, to exercise that, that gift. Sometimes it's just declaring what is right now. It's like you're, you're, you're manifesting the word and you're claiming this is what is right now in the name of Jesus. And so both of those things happen. We see kind of both of these things with Simeon and Anna as well. But the whole thing is based on anticipation. What are you waiting for? What were they waiting for? I had a student, uh, I was a Bible teacher and chaplain for a few years at a school in um, Florida, and 
I had coached soccer and got really close to some, some guys that were in my class. And, and we began to talk deeper about the things of, of God, just beyond Bible class that I, that I taught. And these guys were just anticipating. They, they wanted to see the manifestation of the Lord. Because they had been around religion, they had kind of gone through the motions, and like, it's just empty. I, I, don't, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want my life to have purpose. I want to have impact. I want to see God really working. It was, it was such an eagerness that they had. It was, it was contagious, and it started to go through up in high school. There was one student in particular, his name was Taylor. Now, Taylor had grown up in a, in a difficult home, and uh, he kind of came underneath my wing, and, and was mentoring him, discipling him, and, and he's like, oh, I want to see, I want to see a miracle. He really wanted to see. And a couple things started happening in the school. A girl uh, couldn't feel her legs, and she was paralyzed from the waist down, and I took a group of students to her house, and they, and we prayed over her, and they experienced a miracle. She popped up out of the chair. It was an amazing, it was an amazing thing. <laughs> Taylor wasn't there that day. So Taylor heard about this. He goes, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. I missed it. And, but he was even more eager to see God working and a couple other things that he experienced you know, with, with the Lord. But he wanted more. He wanted more. I, I, he reminds me of Simeon and Anna. They wanted more. Yeah, they had the temple. They had the law. They had all this. But they wanted more. They knew there was more. They knew that the Spirit was coming. They knew the Messiah was coming. It would change everything, not just overthrow Rome, but would pierce the heart of people, and they would have to decide, are you for me or are you against me? And it would divide the nation in that way so that nobody could kind of sit in the middle and just kind of coast along with religion. Jesus came to divide those who would follow him and those who wouldn't. So Taylor... Anyway, he graduated, and, and he wasn't quite sure what he was going to do. And he ended up going to, to YWAM, Youth of the Mission. It's so cool. And, and, and it's, has anybody gone to, to YWAM before? Has anybody know anything about it? Yeah, so they go and they get trained for about three months um, of how to, to be ministers of the gospel. And so then they, they go and do their, um, their field training somewhere. And Taylor... Uh, went to Thailand, and he went to Cambodia and those different places. And the cool thing is he saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And he called me. He says, I've seen it. I've seen it. He believed. He had faith. Even before he saw it, he said, i got to experience it. I've been pursuing this. i got to experience this. And now he works for a while. And he teaches other people about Jesus and how to prepare and be equipped to go into the mission field and see the workings of the Holy Spirit everywhere. It's a powerful thing. And it just reminded me of Simeon and Anna. Because we do celebrate today Jesus coming to earth. And we build our lives on what he did. As far as his life and his death and his resurrection. And yes, we, we also await for the arrival of Jesus' second coming. He's coming back. Did you know that? He is coming back. He is alive. He's coming back. He's going to make all things new. And some of you are saying, that is so good. You're going to get a new body. And everything in creation is going to be new. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Everything that you see right now is going to be restored and beautiful if it's in line with God's original idea. 
The colors you see are going to be more vivid. You're going to see colors in the spectrum you've never seen before. The sounds that you hear, this music is really good, but you're going to hear harmonies like you've never heard before. All things new. Certainly we're anticipating that. But we wait in this in-between time. When Jesus had come the first time, we celebrate that. And when he's going to come again, we are in this in-between time. Now, what are we waiting to see now? Do we have eyes to see salvation working in and all around us now? As it points to this not yet that we're anticipating. Do we grab hold of the hand of God and he offers us to be a part of his work now? This work cannot be fruitful without abiding in him. And we cannot abide in him unless we see the workings of the Holy Spirit in faith. Do you see him? Do you see him? Night and day, Simeon and Anna are driven by one thing, faith in the promise. And they're waiting. They've been silenced for 400 years. And people were saying, how long, Lord, until you come? Things are getting bad. The, the Romans are getting more oppressive we don't rule our own people and it's getting harder to make a living and things are just getting darker. How long more until we send the Messiah? They had faith in a promise, really faith in a person, the Messiah. And this faith gave them patience to wait on God's timing and eyes to recognize a baby. They recognized a baby as the Messiah. With no herald, no pageantry or majesty that people would think the Messiah would bring. When others missed it, they saw a baby and they saw a Messiah. It's interesting, even with the events of Jesus' birth eight days prior, that people were not crowding around Joseph and Mary. Maybe somebody heard about this baby, certainly Herod knew about it and some others knew about it and, and were saying something's going on in Bethlehem. And as we talked about yesterday, how many people kind of participated and heard this, this angelic host of angels? We, we kind of think, you know, from our perspective, that, oh, everybody knew. But it was very subtle. It was kind of woven behind the scenes for a while. And sure, there were magnificent moments when angels appeared and, and armies chanted and all these. But most of the time, most people didn't know what was going on. Their, their lives just kind of plodded along like any other day. And so when Joseph and Mary arrived in the temple courts to do what the law required to present Jesus, to have him circumcised and present a couple doves and to name him, most people didn't see him. Didn't notice him. Didn't recognize him as the Messiah. Except Simeon and Anna. But they, people that didn't recognize him either didn't know at all that the Messiah would come. And certainly Gentiles maybe didn't know that. But certainly the Jewish people, the Israelites, all were anticipating the Messiah. It's, it was so woven into the fabric of their nation, this expectation. Most didn't recognize him, 
because of their preconceived expectations of what the Messiah would look like. And even later on, as he got older, many did not recognize him. Maybe didn't want to recognize him because they're like, no, that's, that's not who we want as our Messiah. You're gonna, even his disciples, are you going to overthrow the Romans now and establish your kingdom? Jesus? He's, no, no, no. That's, that's not what it's about right now. It's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. But the story is woven in subtlety. And so for us, let's not be so intent on waiting for what will be. Just our expectations, perhaps, of heaven. Like, you know what? Heaven's going to be great. But that's not it. That's not the final destination. The new heavens and the new earth is the final destination. We can't just wait and anticipate and say, okay, yeah, it's just heaven. That's, that's all it is. It's heaven coming to earth now that you get to participate. In. We miss its presence now sometimes because we're just thinking about heaven. A friend of mine who's a Jewish scholar said, you know, it's interesting how we're so preoccupied about going up. If you look through scripture, God is so preoccupied with coming down. Look how many times he is coming down. He keeps coming down because he wants to be with his people. And when he comes back to make all things new, he will walk on earth with us again. In the new heavens and the new earth. We get so preoccupied with going up. It's time to examine what we're waiting for. What are we anticipating God to do? We need to ask, how willing are we to join him? Maybe in different ways than we had anticipated. What will it look like when the Holy Spirit moves through your heart, through the heart of this congregation, when all of us say, yes, Lord, I am willing? What will that look like in our community? Well, people say, there is the Spirit of God working through a people. That's what it's supposed to look like to be the church. For Simeon and Anna, these are the things that shaped them, that gave them purpose and moved them in great anticipation through the daily routines of life without losing focus on the main thing, the salvation of God that he offers to all in his presence. It's in those patterns that we are having our posture to receive, to surrender. Every day you get up and say, Lord, how are you going to use me? Lord, how am I going to be aligned with your purposes? That's the posture of surrender and humility that God can use and work through. And it's the posture for you to be able to recognize when the Spirit of God is moving through you and around you and in the lives of others, and in people that are being prompted to receive Jesus. For you to participate in that, to recognize those moments, to recognize the Holy Spirit, you too can be like Simeon and Anna, as you're waiting, as you're waiting for something to change, as you're waiting for God to move, as you align yourself with his will and his purposes and his spirit, you get to participate in the transformation and the power that he is working through the lives of people. 
We've been talking about different revivals throughout history. Perhaps there's no more significant revival than Pentecost. Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father and by the Son to live and move and have His being through us, through the church and among us. What would happen in this very same place that Joseph and Mary took Jesus to present Him as a baby before the law, to participate in the covenant, to fulfill the law and all that it required with circumcision in this very place that Jesus would fulfill the covenant and the law with his death. And it's the very place where the resurrection would empower that covenant with new life and spill over in ways that you could never even imagine. And it's the very place that the Holy Spirit would come to a waiting crowd of disciples to spread this good news to the entire world. It's the very place where many people would say, my eyes have seen the salvation of God. Simeon and Anna declared that, you know what, that is the best that it gets. You can take me now, Lord. I've been waiting for this. I wanted to see it. I wanted to participate with it. My eyes have seen the salvation of God. God's Spirit poured on all people. We're on the other side of that now, on the other side of the resurrection. And now for us, we have the Holy Spirit in our eyes, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in faith. We can see the salvation of God working through our lives, working through this church, working in the community. If we just open our eyes to see the salvation of God, participate in it, live in it, thrive in it, be eager for it, in the name of Jesus and for the advancement of his kingdom. That's right. Father, we love you and we thank you that you are going to make all things new through Jesus. But even now, you want to make things new in our hearts. You have such a desire to come in and clean out those spots that need cleaning. To continue to renew us. It's not just a one-time thing of offering our lives. It's a relationship that you want to have to continue to unfold in our lives and ignite the gifts that you've given us by the power of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, give us eyes to see you. You, Yeshua, Jesus, Messiah, your name means salvation. Give us eyes to see you so that we can be active participants with your mission on this earth with your very spirit that is working to draw all people to yourself. Or may we not get in the way of that. May we not be those barriers that get in the way of your spirit because we're just not quite sure if that's the way it should go. But may we be open to, to radical obedience in the way that you reveal yourself, in the way that you will come to people, in the way that you will move and have your being. Lord Jesus, may we not put parameters or limits on you, but may we wait in expectation with full surrender of whatever you will do in our lives and in this community. May it be so in your name, Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.